Chapter Eight of the Gold Hunters by J. D. Borthwick. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. Chapter Eight Miners' Law. The miners on the creek were nearly all Americans and exhibited a great variety of mankind. Some, it was very evident, were men who had hitherto only worked with their heads others one would have set down as having been mechanics of some sort and as having lived in cities and there were numbers of unmistakable backwoodsmen and farmers from the western states of these a large proportion were missourians who had emigrated across the plains from the state of missouri the people had flocked in thousands to the gold diggings and particularly from a county in that state called pike county the peculiarities of the missourians are very strongly marked and after being in the mines but a short time one could distinguish a missourian or a pike or pike county as they are called from the natives of any other western state their costume was always exceedingly old and greasy looking they had none of the occasional foppery of the miner which shows itself in brilliant red shirts boots with flaming red tops fancy colored hats silver-handled bowie knives and rich silk sashes it always seemed to me that a missourian wore the same clothes in which he had crossed the plains and that he was keeping them to wear on his journey home again their hats were felt of a dirty brown color and the shape of a short extinguisher their shirts had perhaps in days gone by been red but were now a sort of purple their pantaloons were generally of a snuffy brown color and made of some woolly homemade fabric suspended at their back from a narrow strap buckled around the waist they carried a wooden handled bowie knife in an old leathern sheath not stitched but riveted with leaden nails and over their shoulders they wore strips of cotton or cloth as suspenders mechanical contrivances never thought of by any other men in the mines as for their boots there was no peculiarity about them excepting that they were always old their coats a garment not frequently seen in the mines for at least six months of the year were very extraordinary things exceedingly tight short-waisted long-skirted surtouts of homemade frieze of a grayish-blue color as for their persons they were mostly long gaunt narrow-chested round-shouldered men with long straight light-colored dried-up looking hair small thin sallow faces with rather scanty beard and mustache and small gray sunken eyes which seemed to be keenly perceptive of everything around them but in their movements the men were slow and awkward and in the towns especially they betrayed a childish astonishment at the strange sights occasioned by the presence of the diverse nations of the earth the fact is that till they came to california many of them had never in their lives before seen two houses together and in any little village in the mines they witnessed more of the wonders of civilization than ever they had dreamed of 
in some respects perhaps the mines of california were as wild a place as any part of the western states of america but they were peopled by a community of men of all classes and from different countries who though living in a rough backwoods style had nevertheless all the ideas and amenities of civilized life while the missourians having come direct across the plains from their homes in the backwoods had received no preparatory education to enable them to show off to advantage in such company and in this they labored under a great disadvantage as compared with the lower classes of people of every country who came to san francisco by way of panama or cape horn the men from the interior of the states learned something even on their journey to new york or new orleans having their eyes partially opened during the few days they spent in either of those cities en route and on the passage to san francisco they naturally received a certain degree of polish from being violently shaken up with a crowd of men of different habits and ideas from their own they had to give way in many things to men whose motives of action were perhaps to them incomprehensible while of course they gained a few new ideas from being brought into close contact with such sorts of men as they had hitherto only seen at a distance or very likely had never heard of a little experience of san francisco did them no harm and by the time they reached the mines they had become very superior men to the raw bumpkins they were before leaving their homes it may seem strange but it is undoubtedly true that the majority of men in whom such a change was most desirable became in california more humanized and acquired a certain amount of urbanity in fact they came from civilized countries in the rough state and in california they got licked into shape and polished i had subsequently while residing on the isthmus of nicaragua constant opportunities of witnessing the truth of this in contrasting the outward-bound emigrants with the same class of men returning to the states after having received a california education every fortnight two crowds of passengers rushed across the isthmus one from new york the other from san francisco the great majority in both cases were men of the lower ranks of life and it is of course to them alone that my remarks apply those coming from new york who were mostly americans and irish seemed to think that each man could do just as he pleased without regard to the comfort of his neighbors they showed no accommodating spirit but grumbled at everything and were rude and surly in their manners they were very raw and stupid and had no genius in doing anything for themselves or each other to assist their progress but perversely delighted in acting in opposition to the regulations and arrangements made for them by the transit company the same men however on their return from california were perfect gentlemen in comparison they were orderly in their behavior though rough they were not rude and showed great consideration for others submitting cheerfully to any personal inconvenience necessary for the common good 
and showing by their conduct that they had acquired some notion of their duties to balance the very enlarged idea of their rights which they had formerly entertained the missourians however although they acquired no new accomplishments on their journey to california lost none of those which they originally possessed they could use an axe or a rifle with any man two of them would chop down a few trees and build a log cabin in a day and a half and with their long five-foot barrel rifle which was their constant companion they could quotes, draw a bead on a deer a squirrel or the white of an indian's eye with equal coolness and certainty of killing though large-framed men they were not remarkable for physical strength nor were they robust in constitution in fact they were the most sickly set of men in the mines fever and ague and diarrhea being their favorite complaints we had many pleasant neighbors and among them were some very amusing characters one man who went by the name of the philosopher might possibly have earned a better right to the name if he had had the resolution to abstain from whiskey he had been i believe a farmer in kentucky and was one of the class not uncommon in america who without much education but with great ability and immense command of language together with a very superficial knowledge of some science hold forth on it most fluently using such long words and putting them so well together that were it not for the crooked ideas they enunciated one might almost suppose they knew what they were talking about phrenology was this man's hobby and he had all the phrenological phraseology at his fingertips his great delight was to paw a man's head and to tell him his character one sunday morning he came into our cabin as he was going down to the store for provisions and after a few minutes conversation of course he introduced phrenology and as i knew i should not get rid of him till i did so i gave him my permission to feel my head he fingered it all over and gave me a very elaborate synopsis of my character explaining most minutely the consequences of the combination of the different bumps and telling me how i would act in a variety of supposed contingencies having satisfied himself as to my character he went off and i was in hopes i was done with him but an hour or so after dark he came rolling into the cabin just as i was going to turn in he was as drunk as he well could be his nose was swelled and bloody his eyes were both well blackened and altogether he was very unlike a learned professor of phrenology he begged to be allowed to stay all night and as he would most likely have broken his neck over the rocks if he had tried to reach his own home that night i made him welcome thinking that he would immediately fall asleep without troubling me further but i was very much mistaken he had no sooner lain down than he began to harangue me as if i were a public meeting or a debating society addressing me as gentlemen and expatiating on a variety of topics but generally on phrenology the democratic ticket 
and the great mass of the people he had a bottle of brandy with him which i made him finish in hopes it might have the effect of silencing him but there was unfortunately not enough of it for that it only made him worse for he left the debating society and got into a bar-room where when i went to sleep he was playing poker with some imaginary individual whom he called jim in the morning he made most ample apologies and was very earnest in expressing his gratitude for my hospitality i took the liberty of asking him what bumps he called those in the neighborhood of his eyes well sir he said you ask me a plain question i'll give you a plain answer i got into a muss down at the store last night and was whipped and i deserved it too as he was so penitent i did not press him for further particulars but i heard from another man the same day that when at the store he had taken the opportunity of an audience to lecture them on his favorite subject and illustrating his theory by feeling several heads and giving very full descriptions of the characters of the individuals at last he got hold of a man who must have had something peculiar in the formation of his cranium for he gave him a most dreadful character calling him a liar a cheat and a thief and winding up by saying that he was a man who would murder his father for five dollars the natural consequence was that the owner of this enviable character jumped up and pitched into the phrenologist giving him the whipping which he had so candidly acknowledged and would probably have murdered him without the consideration of the five dollars if the bystanders had not interfered very near where we were at work a party of half a dozen men held a claim in the bed of the creek and had as usual dug a race through which to turn the water and so leave exposed the part they intended to work this they were now anxious to do as the creek had fallen sufficiently low to admit of it but they were opposed by a number of miners whose claims lay so near the race that they would have been swamped had the water been turned into it they could not come to any settlement of the question among themselves so as was usual in such cases they concluded to leave it to a jury of miners and notice was accordingly sent to all the miners within two or three miles up and down the creek requesting them to assemble on the claim in question the next afternoon although a miner calculates an hour lost as so much money out of his pocket yet all were interested in supporting the laws of the diggings and about a hundred men presented themselves at the appointed time the two opposing parties then having tossed up for the first pick chose six jurymen each from the assembled crowd when the jury had squatted themselves all together in an exalted position on a heap of stones and dirt one of the plaintiffs as spokesman for his party made a very pithy speech calling several witnesses to prove his statements and citing many of the laws of the diggings in support of his claims the defendants followed in the same manner making the most of their case while the general public 
sitting in groups on the different heaps of stones piled up between the holes with which the ground was honeycombed smoked their pipes and watched the proceedings after the plaintiff and defendant had said all they had to say about it the jury examined the state of the ground in dispute they then called some more witnesses to give further information and having laid their shaggy heads together for a few minutes they pronounced their decision which was that the men working on the race should be allowed six days to work out their claims before the water should be turned in upon them neither party was particularly well pleased with the verdict a pretty good sign that it was an impartial one but they had to abide by it for had there been any resistance on either side the rest of the miners would have enforced the decision of this august tribunal from it there was no appeal a jury of miners was the highest court known and i must say i never saw a court of justice with so little humbug about it the laws of the creek as was the case in all the various diggings in the mines were made at meetings of miners held for the purpose they were generally very few and simple they defined how many feet of ground one man was entitled to hold in a ravine how much in the bank and in the bed of the creek how many such claims he could hold at a time and how long he could absent himself from his claim without forfeiting it they declared what was necessary to be done in taking up and securing a claim which for want of water or from any other cause could not be worked at the time and they also provided for various contingencies incidental to the peculiar nature of the diggings of course like other laws they required constant revision and amendment to suit the progress of the times and a few weeks after this trial a meeting was held one sunday afternoon for legislative purposes the miners met in front of the store to the number of about two hundred a very respectable-looking old chap was called to the chair but for want of that article of furniture he mounted an empty pork-barrel which gave him a commanding position another man was appointed secretary who placed his writing materials on some empty boxes piled up alongside the chair the chairman then addressing the crowd told them the object for which the meeting had been called and said he would be happy to hear any gentleman who had any remarks to offer whereupon someone proposed an amendment to the law relating to a certain description of claim arguing the point in a very neat speech he was duly seconded and there was some slight opposition and discussion but when the chairman declared it carried by the a's no one called for a division so the secretary wrote it all down and it became law two or three other acts were passed and when the business was concluded a vote of thanks to the chairman was passed for his able conduct on the top of the pork barrel the meeting was then declared to be dissolved and accordingly dribbled into the store where the legislators in small detachments pledged each other in cocktails as fast as the storekeeper could mix them while the legislature was in session however everything was conducted with the utmost formality for americans of all classes are particularly au fait 
at the ordinary routine of public meetings after working our claim for a few weeks my partner left me to go to another part of the mines and i joined two americans in buying a claim five or six miles up the creek it was supposed to be very rich and we had to pay a long price for it accordingly although the men who had taken it up and from whom we bought it had not yet even prospected the ground but the adjoining claims were being worked and yielding largely and from the position of ours it was looked on as an equally good one there was a great deal to be done before it could be worked in the way of removing rocks and turning the water and as three of us were not sufficient to work the place properly we hired four men to assist us at the usual wages of five dollars a day it took about a fortnight to get the claim into order before we could begin washing but we then found that our labor had not been expended in vain for it paid uncommonly well when i bought this claim i had to give up my cabin as the distance was so great and i now camped with my partners close to our claim where we had erected a brush house this is a very comfortable kind of abode in summer and does not cost an hour's labor to erect four uprights are stuck in the ground and connected with cross pieces on which are laid heaps of leafy brushwood making a roof completely impervious to the rays of the sun sometimes three sides are filled in with a basket-work of brush which gives the edifice a more compact and comfortable appearance very frequently a brush shed of this sort was erected over a tent for the thin material of which tents were usually made offered but poor shelter from the burning sun when i left my cabin i handed it over to a young man who had arrived very lately in the country and had just come up to the mines on meeting him a few days afterward and asking him how he liked his new abode he told me that the first night of his occupation he had not slept a wink and had kept candles burning till daylight being afraid to go to sleep on account of the rats rats indeed poor fellow i should think there were a few rats but the cabin was not worse in that respect than any other in the mines the rats were most active colonizers hardly was a cabin built in the most out-of-the-way part of the mountains before a large family of rats made themselves at home in it imparting a humanized and inhabited air to the place they are not supposed to be indigenous to the country they are a large black species which i believe those who are learned in rats call the hamburg breed occasionally a pure white one is seen but more frequently in the cities than in the mines they are probably the hoary old patriarchs and not a distinct species they are very destructive and are such notorious thieves carrying off letters newspapers handkerchiefs and things of that sort with which to make their nests that i soon acquired a habit which is common enough in the mines of always ramming my stockings tightly into the toes of my boots putting my neckerchief into my pocket and otherwise 
securing all such matters before turning in at night one took these precautions just as naturally and as much as a matter of course as when at sea one fixes things in such manner that they shall not fetch way with the motion of the ship as in civilized life a man winds up his watch and puts it under his pillow before going to bed so in the mines when turning in one just as instinctively sets to work to circumvent the rats in the manner described and taking off his revolver lays it under his pillow or at least under the coat or boots or whatever he rests his head on i believe there are individuals who faint or go into hysterics if a cat happens to be in the same room with them any one having a like antipathy to rats had better keep as far away from california as possible especially from the mines the inhabitants generally however have no such prejudices it is a free country as free to rats as to chinamen they increase and multiply and settle on the land very much as they please eating up your flour and running over you when you are asleep without ceremony no one thinks it worth while to kill individual rats the abstract fact of their existence remains the same you might as well wage war upon mosquitoes i often shot rats but it was for the sport not the mere object of killing them rat shooting is capital sport and is carried on in this wise the most favorable place for it is a log cabin in which the chinks have not been filled up so that there is a space of two or three inches between the logs and the season is a moonlight night then when you lie down for the night it would be absurd to call it going to bed in the mines you have your revolver charged and plenty of ammunition at hand the lights are of course put out and the cabin is in darkness but the rats have a fashion of running along the tops of the logs and occasionally standing still showing clearly against the moonlight outside then is your time to draw a bead upon them and knock them over if you can but it takes a good shot to do much at this sort of work and a man who kills two or three brace before going to sleep has had a very splendid night's shooting end of chapter eight